Craig Hostetler, and welcome to the Black Sheep Experience. This is episode number 18. That's right, man, 18 episodes. And also the first episode of our season two, what we're calling season two, which is the 2019 series of Black Sheep Experience podcasts. So, yeah, man, here we are. I think uh, it's going to be a great year. I've already got four or five interviews uh, recorded and on the hard drive waiting for release. Um, and then, of course, I'll do my solo flight stuff. But, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of excited about what we're doing with the podcast this year. Watching it take shape and form is going to be interesting. Now, uh, before we jump into today's episode, which I have a guest with me, a great guest, by the way, super interesting guy, uh, I want to remind you to please do me the simple favor of Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. Uh, jump on there, like the Black Sheep Experience, follow it, whatever the case may be, and uh, make contact. I'd really love to hear from you. So that would be awesome. And I can't overemphasize how important that is. Also, if you listen on iTunes, rate the podcast, a comment on it, something like that, uh, that also helps us. You know, the uh, bridge between where... I want the podcast to be, or, or where the podcast is today and where I would like for it to be, is really uh, you guys. You have the ability to fuel energy you know, into the podcast by your interaction with it, and uh, also by sharing it on your social media platform with others. It, it really makes a big difference, and I know it seems inconsequential. In fact, maybe you post it and only one person likes it, two people like it. But you know what? A whole bunch of people have seen it. And sooner or later, they'll check it out. Uh, and I would appreciate it a great deal. Also, uh, yeah, also nothing. <laughs> so I think that we are ready uh, to jump in. Now, the guy I've got on the podcast today uh, is a super interesting guy. His name is Truth Seeker. Now, Truthseeker is, uh, that's Truth, S-E-E-K-A-H. This guy is uh, a, a, a true Christian mystic. Uh, he's a hip-hop artist, and um, he's definitely unconventional. I really love this guy. He is an awesome individual, and I'm looking forward to being on his podcast as well. But um, I've been into this guy for a while now. And, uh, yeah, he, he's, I don't want to give away too much. I think I'm going to let you guys, I'm going to let him introduce himself to you through the podcast. But uh, a couple of things that you can do uh, to make a connection, of course, he's on Facebook and, and Instagram and Twitter and all that stuff. But, and he even says this himself, the best way to see all of his stuff, and he's got a ton of stuff, right? He's a podcaster. He has YouTube videos. I mean, the guy has just got a ton of information out there. Google him. 
That's Truth Seeker. So that's T R U T H S E E K A H. Just Google him, and his website comes up, and and his YouTube channel, and all that stuff comes up. And um, yeah, a very esoteric individual, and I think you're going to love him. So. Without further ado, man, welcome to the podcast, welcome to season two, welcome to Truth Seeker. All right, guys, so uh, as mentioned, man, I've got a, uh, I just got a, an awesome guest today, and uh, I'm so excited to have him, and I am so appreciative of him, um, really just, uh, you know, a uh, an intelligent guy um, has a has a great podcast, and so uh, I just want to welcome you, Truth Seeker, to uh, to the Black Sheep Experience, man. Thanks for joining me. Oh man, thanks for having me. That's what's up. Oh dude, I, yeah, I'm so uh, God, I'm so excited to have you, man. And I got I've got so many questions for you, but um, just to kind of give uh, <clears throat> a little bit of background, I know you've got the podcast. Uh, you're also a uh, musician. You got some great stuff out there. And so, I guess before we get uh, started, wh- what's really the best way for people to kind of connect and find out more about you? Um, Google. Google oh. is a monster. Google is a great, great tool. So, <clears throat> whatever um, uh, social media platform that you indulge in, whether it's Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, whatever. If you go to Google, uh, type in Truth Seeker with an A-H. You'll be able to find me on any platform. But uh, I do have a website, truthseeker.com. That's a great place for people to go to check out a little bit of everything that I bring to the table. Yeah, yeah, I've been on all that stuff, man. And you got some, I mean, the material on there is just incredible. So, yeah, you're definitely out there, man. Very available, too, which is uh, which is really cool. So, yeah, man, so... Um, let me, uh, and I, t- I know we talked about this just a few minutes ago, but let me give you just a, a quick rundown, man, of where I've been, and uh, we'll kind of use that as a platform from where you've been and, and uh, have a conversation. So I came from a really orthodox setting um, as a pastor for, I was, I pastored for almost like 22 years, and uh, those were in mainstream Christian uh, faiths. And then I started to have some questions, and um, the questions, as you well know, uh, they, those aren't really wanted or welcome in those more orthodox types of faith. Now, my faith was Pentecostal, so there was a little bit more, I guess, uh, expression, but still, man, the, the fundamentals were the fundamentals, right? So I know your journey um, w- was a lot different than that. I mean, you started out in a more of a dark place, and then you went kind of, uh, I guess, what we might call orthodox, and now uh, you're uh, in a more maybe esoteric or mystic type of uh, setting. You want to talk about that? Yeah, man. Um, just to, you know, to kind of make a long story short, um, you know, came up experiencing different um, supernatural encounters as a kid, like having. Um, experiences with shadow beings or what we would call demons, you know, crawling upon me in the middle of the night. I had an experience when I was four years old where I woke up and was pinned in my bed by these two beings on each side of me and was uh, too scared to talk. And uh, that right there kind of shaped my uh, worldview as a kid, man, just knowing that something weird happened to me and 
grew up as a teenager asking other friends, you know, have you ever had this happen to you? Whether it's at a party or sleepover or something, you know, and other people are like, yeah, I had that happen. And, you know, well, what is it? What's it called? Well, somebody said, well, it's witches. There's these witches that get on you and wake you up. Then I heard other stories about somebody's house being on fire and one of them was on the edge of the bed, like shaking the bed, woke the person up, this black entity or whatever. So it just kind of built my interest as a teenager and I was, it kind of led me into some of the, uh, you know, paranormal television shows, horror movies, supernatural thrillers and stuff as a kid that just kind of, you know, to explore those realms because I knew something was real. Um, got into uh, uh, some heavier bands like Marilyn Manson and, and stuff like that, listening to corn, a lot of emotional, dark music or whatever, and ended up going into uh, picking up occult books, Satanic Bible, uh, Wiccan, uh, Necronomicon, as a teenager, just, just doing my own studying and uh, or whatever. Then I uh, had an encounter with Jesus. Um, my mom was dating this guy his son was a minister and he kept trying to invite me to church but I would never go I had no you know church was some boring place to me I come from like the Baptist background when I was a kid and like this preacher just yelling red faced and wiping his spit out the corner of his mouth and stuff or whatever so that was what I thought we were going to he kept begging me to go to church I wouldn't go but then um and he was kind of like a big brother figure he'd take me to shoot basketball and all this kind of stuff so he said, look, we're having a prayer meeting. Do you want to go? And I would always turn his prayer meetings down. But uh, he said at this particular prayer meeting, there was going to be a um, a man there who's a prophet. I said, okay, well, what, what's a prophet? He said, a prophet's like a Christian psychic, somebody who can hear the voice of the Holy Spirit, a voice of God speaking to them, and they deliver messages. So I said, well, that sounds, that sounds pretty interesting. I'll have to go check that out. So ended up going to this this prayer meeting and um there was a the prophet was there and stuff but it was different for me because like um people they were listening to like worship music and uh everybody was had their eyes closed with their hands lifted in this little apartment and uh people were crying and they were really emotional and no and it's just with their eyes closed they were having this encounter or whatever and it was a peaceful experience that they were having so um it was really interesting and that really intrigued me. Then one of the guys there just came up to him and said, Hey brother, um, do you want to ask Jesus into your heart? Do you want Jesus to forgive you of your sins? And, uh, just being in this really beautiful setting, I said, yes. Uh, you know, I don't want to be, I don't want to not be forgiven. So totally. So I asked, uh, Jesus to come into my heart, forgive me of my sins, cleanse me of all the wickedness and confess the work that he did on the cross for me on, on my behalf or whatever. Uh, as I prayed that, I felt this fire start within my stomach and just kind of spread out to my whole body. And just praying that prayer, I started crying uncontrollably, started shaking with this fervent heat burning all over my body. And uh, I felt all the wrong that I had ever did just burning up at, uh, during that confession, just asking God to forgive me. And I really meant it and had this supernatural encounter I had never seen before. It felt so euphoric and so good. And I felt like a person afterwards. And uh, this was just a on quote unquote saying the sinner's prayer so uh, we ended up going to a lot I went home and got rid of the little weed I had and stuff like that as a teenager and started going to a lot more prayer meetings where that type of encounter was common every time like we would go to church and then we would leave to go to a prayer meeting after church and we would just be looking forward to the prayer meeting because the power of God would show up and, and change people's lives and stuff and it was euphoric and it was addictive so got into that but then I started going to school uh, at, at, as 
because I moved away and went to a new school and all I knew was Christianity for the summer. But I started hanging around some of the people who were into drugs or listened to that old music that I got into. And like after the first day of school, I just met all the, the wrong crowd and started denouncing my faith a little bit here by the actions and stuff that I did until eventually I just go to church or whatever and uh, didn't really believe in it anymore and got into some, some, some more witchcraft and stuff that stuff that I got into when I was a teenager, that stuff started coming back. So reading the Satanic Bible, Wicca, all of that kind of stuff, getting into that and uh, um, doing uh, rituals and seances and trying to open up my mind to spirits and demons, anything that wanted to come come through because I understood that there was something there. And we, if I did my work good enough, I could make contact and uh, ended up uh, having this... this uh, interaction with this warlock who was a friend of mine who was teaching me he was uh, I think he was about 40 years old I was like 15 I stole something from him um, they ended up doing a, a, a protection spell on his belongings that these spirits would go back and find out anything that was stolen from him and bring it back and so I had this encounter with this uh, huge look like a camel type entity knocked me and my cousin down to the ground and ended up bringing all of this stuff back so doing that and Having that type of encounter, you would think that it would just like warn you, okay, this is nothing to play with, stay away. But it just kind of uh, took me deeper because I knew that if I got good enough, maybe I can summon some type of entity like that if I got good enough. So um, going deeper in my studies and, and practices and opening up my mind to any spirit that wanted to come through, I uh, find myself in a place that I didn't want to be. I was ended up being possessed. I uh, opened up a portal, stuck my hand through, and something reached back and, and, and grabbed me and uh, brought me in this weird state of psychosis as a teenager. I was like uh, 15, 16 at the time. This weird state of psychosis. I'm hearing spirits. I'm hearing voices, scenes, shadows. Um, I would go into trance in the middle of watching a movie, and I would see all these spirits and hear them, but I couldn't understand what they were saying. It was like in a foreign language, and it was scary. I turned pale, couldn't breathe, heart starts racing. And then I would snap out of it and just gasping for breath. And this was happening at random. And um, very, very strange. Very, it was scary. I was going schizophrenic, really. Um, but I remembered, you know, a couple of years before about the presence of Jesus or whatever. And I remember my brother coming over and they were smoking weed or whatever. He was watching TV and just flipping through the channels. And I stopped on like Benny Hinn. And they're like, man, turn that off. That's fake. And there's everybody lifting their hands, singing the worship songs. And, in that zone, man, with the Holy Spirit. I said, no, that's real, man. And part of me just, like, wanted it so back so bad because I was just in this weird place. So got to that place I didn't want to be, man. I got sick. I was coughing up blood and all kind of stuff. Just craziness, man. Crazy stuff. Um, ended up telling my girlfriend, uh, who was living with me at the time, that, look, I need to give my life back to God. There's no way I can. I need you to pray with me. So she prayed with me when I was having an episode. The next morning, I feel a lot, a lot better. I got up and I threw everything away. All the, the books, the satanic music, all of that stuff. I, we threw a bunch of it away in the garbage can, took a lot of CDs and stuff like that, brought it to the pawn shop, um, got money for it. When I first album I bought was the Daryl Evans CD, Let the River Flow, back in the day. Mm. And uh, also bought um, a POD CD and we bought Bibles. And so I uh, confessed my sins there and said, well, I need Jesus back in my life. But my girlfriend wasn't, really having it she didn't know what I was doing you know I'm just throwing everything away um but I told her I said look if you can believe in the fairies and the goddess and the gods and all of this kind of stuff if you can believe in that 
surely we can believe in Jesus. Because she didn't believe in it. She said, how are you going to make me believe in this? I said, look, just give it a try. If it works, we'll give it two weeks. And if our life isn't 100% better, I'll go back to serving whatever gods or idols you want. She said, okay, two weeks. And anyway, that was back in September 7th of 2000. And I've been walking with the Lord ever since, man. And uh, this journey of just going through the Christian experience and being in a charismatic Assemblies of God churches and stuff like that and studying and God just changing my heart, teaching me, renewing me daily. And then uh, eventually started to ask questions, like you said, as well, and uh, asking the bigger questions and finding obscure scriptures in the Bible that I wasn't getting any answers for and really opened me up to a lot of stuff that I was researching about UFOs and aliens and stuff like that that was calling out to me. And I'm starting to find biblical references and stuff. And well, it took me a lot deeper over the years. This was probably like in 2011. I've been doing gospel rap music, telling my story, how God brought me out of witchcraft and those type of things uh, in the Christian church. And then I'm going deeper. And that kind of led me to this place where, okay, we need to watch out for truth seeking. Now he's, you know, talking about this stuff in his music. He's, you know, doing podcasts, interviewing psychics, you know, just listening to their story and occultism and stuff like that. So I tried to merge the two. I had all these questions and ideas about the Bible that I thought would open up dialogue and conversation. And it did, but I found out that the the dialogue and conversation was being had, but I wasn't a part of it. It was always about me and never, hey, let me ask you about this. So with that, you know, I tried to wrap up, you know what I'm saying, making a long story longer. Uh, That's pretty much my experience in a nutshell, and there's just so much in and out of that as well. Yeah, uh, the the questions aren't um, particularly popular for sure within the you know, the traditional settings. And that's where I kind of found my struggle too was, uh, you know, when I begin to start asking questions, a couple of things. One, I, I found out really quick, man, it's amazing how you can go from being in the group to out of the group, you know, and not just a little bit out. I mean, you're all the way out. And, yeah. and sometimes it's with people that you've been friends with for, you know, even decades. And, and you it's just, the hardest part. yeah, man, it's, it. I don't know. It, there's there's a painful element to that, you know, when because your intention wasn't for the relationship to deteriorate, but uh, and it's but it does, you know. And you're right. You're you're immediately you know you're just out. But then also, man, there's a <clears throat> excuse me. There's a lack of there's a lack of information. Um, whenever you start to explore. You know, I look at, well, I heard you talking, um, I don't know, a couple weeks ago about um, when people read the Bible, most of them, or a lot of them anyway, aren't reading it correctly, and plus that you studied other books outside of the Bible. Can you talk about, um, I guess, when someone's searching and seeking, you know, for things, yeah. whether it's it's the more esoteric or mystical type of things... How do you get some type of a foundation, or, or what are some good books or things that you're into that yeah. uh, aid in that? Yeah, man. Um, early on, you know, um, there was a couple books, but um, the Bible has always been my plumb line. Like, like the Bible is like what I've tried to use to uh, bring all of that information or those ideas through. So I hear something, and I was like, okay, is that in the Bible? Is it biblical? Am I getting into rocky ground? Like. How does God feel about this and using the Bible for that? You know, and I, I felt like that was a safe place, and I still do, essentially. Um, but early on, you know, and it, this happens for a lot of people, you know, the Book of Enoch is a big one, and that's 
now it's like common knowledge. Like everybody's read the Book of Enoch, but when we were getting into it, like 2008, 2009, it was super taboo. Like, is it what well, you what the Book of Enoch? And we say, well, it was mentioned of in the Bible. So there, there we go again with the Bible being this 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 type of plumb line. These books that were taken out of the Bible. So we have the Apocrypha. Uh, what is it, the 14 books that were, was in the original Bible that was taken out at the Council of Nicaea, but they were in the early manuscripts of what we call the Bible, and it was taken out. So the original 1611, you can actually purchase like replicas or whatever, and they still have those books in there. So that was a place that I started. Let's start there. That's a safe spot. They were actually in there at one point. Jesus is making references to them. The other uh, disciples are making references to them, uh, things like that. And a lot of the books, when you read them, uh, it helps you understand the scriptures because you're, you're just reading over stuff, prophecies of out of the book of Enoch. You know, these different demons that are called by name in, in the Bible, and you've never heard them or whatever, and so you don't have a frame of reference for them. You just got to go off of what, you know, the pastor may have told you or what you've read trying to interpret the Bible with the Bible, and that's good, but there's like pieces that are missing. You know, these are just random 13 letters to 13 churches in the New Testament. And there was a lot more letters. And then there's letters, even Paul references, you know, in that last letter that I sent you guys. Like, Which one? This is the first one we read in the Bible. Well, he was sending these letters to all these churches. So me just being a Berean, like I'm trying to at least, you know what I'm saying, reference it all and just know what it all says to kind of make my own doctrines. And that's kind of what it led to, right? I, I quit believing in doctrines and just like ask God to kind of, you know what I'm saying, reteach my mind and, and my belief systems and started um, making my own doctrines as far as what I seen as something that was repetitive throughout the scriptures. Even if I hadn't, you know, been, been taught it or I hadn't, you know what I'm saying, read it before, I would read the Bible and this would happen over and over and over again. I'd say, okay, well, if that's something that's a meme that's reoccurring in the scriptures, then I can take it to the bank, really. And there was a lot of stuff that we had never been taught about God's sovereignty, a lot of it about spirits and, and the angels and demons and how they operate. And so that was like my biggest thing coming from that world of how the spirit realm works and operates. And I had been on the on the dark side. I'd been on this demonic encounter side, summoning demons and things like that. Now I'm on this more of a heavenly side where we're, do, we're doing spiritual warfare, still believing in that, but having angelic visitations and angelic encounters, much like the prophets, much like the disciples, you know, and, and, and understanding the, the, the spirituality behind the Bible as well. And these other books, whether it's Enoch, the Apocrypha, um, the Testament of Solomon, these type of books where uh, you can't fully understand the Bible without those books. Because you're going to read over obscure things and not know where what it even means without those books. Yeah, I I mean that the interesting thing about that man is, um, you know, and I yeah, obviously we're not discrediting the Bible, but essentially what we're saying is, it, you know, there's culture and there's all kinds of things going on there, and so sometimes when you read that stuff, you're like, okay, uh, you know, I think it means this, and then you mm-hmm. dive in a little further and you're like, wow, you know, it didn't mean that at all. Uh, yep. they, they would have never got that from what Jesus was saying or Paul or anybody else. And, uh, I mean, I've found, man, sometimes there's um, people deep into the occult that actually have a better understanding yeah. of the Bible than Christians do. Yeah. And I think maybe because all of our stuff, uh, especially within a traditional setting, it's packaged. 
It's like, here's our doctrine, and this is what we believe, and these are the verses to validate that. And then don't, you know, wander anywhere outside of this, because everything else out there is, you know, going to send you to hell or whatever. So you become this very closed-off individual, and, um, you know, you're, you're really not a very spiritual person, which is interesting, because if you look at Christianity, it's probably the most mystical faith in the entire yeah. world. Yeah. yeah, I was, um, like, early on, I was still going to my elders, and I would, you know, drop little lines about meditation and trance state and all that kind of stuff. And some of them would back me up, like the guy who led me to the Lord. Years later, he would say, like, uh, you know, yeah, brother, there's, you know, good, you know what I'm saying, going within. And then he would just mention stuff like, uh, you know, how, you know, the occult has taken this stuff, or the other, or the other scripture, or, or the other religions have kind of taken this stuff, and uh, repackaged it, and so we just gave it to them. You know, we give them all. We gave them the the, the rainbow. We gave that to the you know to to the gay people. We've given them the pentagram, this this different symbolism, the Christian symbolism and stuff, or or I wouldn't say Christian, maybe biblical symbolism. And just giving up stuff. We've given them meditation. We've given them the trance state. Uh, but when we understand the Bible, we understand Christianity as a spiritual practice coming from the East not something that came from the backwoods Baptist church where we heard it or where we grew up, you know, this stuff came from the East. And then we start looking at maybe Hinduism or Buddhism or some of the practices that they have. It, it looks to me, it looks a little bit more Christian or biblical than what we see here in the West. And so I just began to, to kind of look at some of that stuff and then reference it back to the Bible and just start seeing the similarities there. Because in Christianity, I was taught to, to see the differences. You are a separated people. Don't do this. Don't be like the heathen. Don't. And finding all of these things that separate you. But then as I'm doing my study of what we would call syncretism, I say, look, we're not that much different after all. These Muslims, these Hindus, there's a lot of people, spirits, new agers, whoever, they have the same pursuit of truth within their heart. And they're just like me. But they were looking for truth and they met uh, you know what I'm saying, somebody from these other faiths who taught them about God and they have these doctors and belief systems just like me, but they're open to the truth and they're seeking the truth or whatever. So that and then, you know, even hearing um, somebody who said, who talked about this, this was Billy Graham, was a big thing for me, seeing uh, Billy Graham's interview with Robert Schuler and him talking about how God has all of these people um, in different religions and so that God doesn't love just these people, or if you repent, that God's grace and, and, and forgiveness is not something that's going to happen for you, but it's already happened. You just need somebody to tell you, and that's the good news. Yeah, so, you know, one of the things I, I found interesting, you were talking about, you know, that so many of the practices um, that you find in, you know, even paganism or, or some of the other, you know, the Eastern religions, um, so many of those really are not that different. Now, the source, I understand, you know, the intention of the source may be different, but the practice in and of itself really isn't that different. And so I think that sometimes, like what you said earlier, whether you're talking, I mean, you look at something like, you know, sage or um, altars, um, some of those things that hold strong symbolic power to them, and we immediately think that those are, you know, pagan, they're a cult, they're, they're, they're taboo. We can't, you know, we can't uh, get involved in that because it's going to 
bring in a, you know some kind of a dark entity or whatever. The reality is, is a lot of those things were extremely present um, in Christianity, mm-hmm. especially early Christianity. You know, we, you're talking about casting lots, and 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 you mentioned yeah. you know like transcendentalism, and and so what are some of those things? That that might be mind blowing to a uh, you know yeah. to an orthodox individual that you actually practice that that people might say oh that's pagan or or whatever. <laughs> There's so many man. <laughs> There's so many at this point. It just keeps adding up to me daily. <laughs> right. Yeah. You know, as, as my mind opens and um uh, and uh, and you know, I get confident in my faith in God. You know, I just seeing God in everything. You know, there's a there's a. Uh, um, a proverb that says if you can't see God in all then you can't see God at all and it's being able to see God in everything versus like I said on the other hand and, and like you know what I'm saying churchianity is like us four and no more and this is God or that's God and it's like no God is in it all so I would look at things like um, we'll just we'll use for an example I have a verse in one of my songs it's like uh, um, uh, something about uh, you know what I'm saying break the mold take control of the prophecies which were true Abraham was involved in a form of voodoo. Um, looking at Abraham, so there was a scripture in the Old Testament where um, Abraham had a meeting with God, and um, God spoke to his heart or whatever, and, I, and then he wanted to recreate that that encounter. So to recreate that encounter, he went out, and there was like raccoons and squirrels and goats and all of these different animals. He uh, slain all those animals, and he brought them to this place, and he put it, put their bodies in a circle. And he made a circle out of all these dead animals and he got in the middle and he summoned Yahweh. Like God met with him because of those sacrifices. If we was to see Abraham come back and do that now or your fellow Christian in the backyard um, to try to summon God because they read it in the Bible, you would say that that was voodoo, right? So uh, just little little things like that. So that was something that like was, was there. And, um, you know, we say, no, that's something beautiful. That's just something, you know, maybe God doesn't speak through those type of sacrifices anymore. Maybe it says, maybe he is as close now as a prayer or as close as your breath, taking that breath in. So, man, there would be things like, um, um, you know, I do a lot of breath work, understanding just the, the power of breath and breathing correctly, breathing to get high, breathing to in, uh, induce trance state. You're, you're fearfully and wonderfully made and all of that thing, all of that stuff is already within you to experience the realms of heaven um, within and so breathing and just looking at how, you know, the, you know what I'm saying, the Ruach and the, uh, you know what I'm saying, the, ex- the expressions of God and Jesus breathing upon his disciples and they received the Holy Spirit. But just exploring something as simple as the breath of, uh, of, of this, how we can apply it to meditation, prayer life and trance state to help induce that or whatever, to spend time with God. So uh, breathing exercises and trance, trance work that way. Even the word trance, I practice trance state, going into trance. And so, you know, the New Testament is full of, of even that, using that word in the King James. I was in a trance on the Lord's Day, or I fell into a trance, or I was here and I went into a trance and the angels met with me, or Jesus met with me, or I received a vision in trance state. Um, a lot of Christians would read that and, and they feel like it's just a one-time thing. Like you're just walking, I'm headed to Walmart to grab groceries, and I fell into a trance. This God stepped in and intervened. But you got to understand, again, this is Christianity as a spiritual practice coming from the East, that they practice trance state and meditation. This was a common practice and still is today. You know, so I would see that. 
trance state, you know, that kind of gets into psychic abilities, uh, hearing the voice of the Holy Spirit. The Bible talks about discernment. Um, we wouldn't call them uh, psychic abilities in the Bible. We have different terminology. We call them spiritual giftings. We call them spirit of discernment. We call it word of knowledge, word of wisdom. Uh, the Bible talks about a quickening, um, a quickening. So these types of things, if you want to go deeper on your uh, spiritual giftings in the Bible, it wouldn't hurt to study ESP, extrasensory perception, because we look at all these different um, experiences where Jesus walked into a crowd of people and he immediately knew their thoughts. And the disciples did very similar things too. And it's the feelings and these emotions and knowing off of your senses the way God speaks to you. Many faith healers uh, even even operate off of this as well. You be in a meeting and you'll feel something in your body. You may go limp in your right leg and uh, you can't move it and or something like that. And then a lot of people will just start rebuking the devil. I mean, this kind of happens for a lot of people. Devil, let go of my leg right now in Jesus' name. The devil doesn't let go of your leg. The feeling is still there. And it's like, okay, well, maybe this is some for somebody else. Maybe I'm feeling the uh, ailment that someone has, has, and maybe I'm moved with compassion towards their infirmity like Jesus was, right? You could feel it in your body, feel the energy. And um, so you don't know until you step out and ask somebody. So you say, does anybody have any problem with their leg, right leg or whatever? And then somebody comes forth. Well, and wherever you are, wherever, if you're in Walmart, if you're in the doctor's office, if you're at a church meeting or a small home group or whatever, those are safe places to at least try. And if somebody comes forth, I've been in meetings where I go deaf in one ear and I can't hear anything. And my first function is to rebuke the devil, you know, devil, let my ear go. And I don't say, well, maybe this is for somebody else and I'm feeling it. They come forth, the pastor lets me, you know, speak it out or whatever the case is in that setting. And um, I'm able to operate in the, in the gift of healing and ask them to come forth if they want to be healed. And someone wasn't able to hear out of their ear until we prayed and laid hands on them. So little things like that, there's ways to sharpen it and be able to feel and recognize smells, being able to taste stuff, casting out demons or smelling puke and throw up in this real uh, garbage type smelling just out of nowhere where there's nothing like that around. And being able to sense uh, negative energies and entities and, and unclean spirits is what the Bible would call them. So all this stuff tends to start uh, flowing together. And I believe I don't want anything new. I don't want anything outside of the scriptures. That, that in and of itself is super deep. And there's so many instances and stuff where they had angelic encounters, where they fasted for three weeks and angels appeared to them or took them out of their body. You know, Paul left his body in this type of encounter where it was so real. He didn't know if he had his body with him or his spirit just traveled to heaven. It was so real. That's an out-of-body experience. Right. Being caught up in the third heaven. There's all types of other encounters in the Bible and even in those books that were taken out that kind of go into a lot more detail. And it becomes, it opens up a whole world of belief uh, with it. And uh, it's beautiful to me. And there's just so much more. Well, yeah, you know, it's funny because if you read things and, um, you know, a lot of times um, people talk about intuition. Well, you know, you should follow your intuition and get better at using your intuition. And we would just yeah. translate that as, you know, following the spirit or whatever. But but they're very similar. Yeah. Yeah. And, and oh, then you yeah. t I've heard you talk about like opening your third eye, which is a, a huge thing right now. You see that everywhere. 
Um, and, and the Bible doesn't use that terminology, but yeah. uh, it's a similar experience. Yeah, um, so there, there's a scripture a lot of people like to refer back to. Um, I don't think it's necessarily talking about the third eye pineal gland, uh, but opening there's a scripture where Jesus says that uh, if, the, if you know if thy eye be single, thy whole body shall be full of light. So a lot of people think he's talking about the third eye there. I would I don't want to stretch any of this stuff because it seems like a stretch already. So I don't think he's talking about it there. But the third eye pineal gland is is the is the place where uh, Jacob wrestled with uh, with God and, and actually had the vision of seeing the angels traveling from heaven to earth and that place was called pineal or pineal and if you if you read the scriptures it actually says that so the pineal gland is essentially the third eye which they would call it in eastern mysticism hinduism or whatever uh it's how we interpret the spirit realm it's how we're able to see into the spirit with their eye essentially being single but uh, but, but having that spiritual eye being able to see into the spirit realm uh, it's very scientific as well it's not even so woo-woo, it's, uh, you know what I'm saying, it's the pineal gland, pineal gland that produces DMT while we sleep and actually enables us to go into the dream state by this secretion of the uh, DMT from the pineal gland. And so it, 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 it uh, accesses the spirit realm. It's called the spirit molecule of how we're able to interact with the spirit world. And there's a lot of ways you can get better. I mean, obviously, practical experience is going to be number one. Of, of being able to sense the spirit, sense God speaking, the Holy Spirit, or whatever. But it's all done through the, the, the third eye pineal gland. Wow. See, that's kind of interesting because we would never talk about that in a in a more traditional setting. You you got to kind of move outside of that to to even explore those kinds of things. You know, I uh, one of the things I found really interesting is. Uh, for instance, within many of the pagan communities, they celebrate the seasons, right? And yeah. and each one of them kind of has um, a specific, uh, I guess, theme to it or, or meaning to it and way that you connect. And the funny thing about that is um, in the Old Testament, uh, we were doing that a long time ago or, or this kind of <laughs> setting was doing that a long time ago. You know, that's what made the, the feasts work. And somewhere along the way, we, we've lost all that. We've lost touch with the earth. We've lost touch with the spirit. We've lost touch with, I like a lot of the uh, the apophatic fathers who talk about, yes, God is a father, but he's not a father in any way that you can totally understand. And uh, uh, Dionysus uh, talks about God can be known, but there's an element of God that can never be known. And so I think there's a lot more mystery here, and we really do ourselves a disservice when we start to just make everything fit into certain boxes. You know what yep. I mean? Yep, yep. We feel more comfortable when we're able to do that. And that's why when you start talking about this stuff um, openly, especially in the Christian circles, you, you get a target on your back because they had you in a box. And I'm like, okay, what box is he? Okay, he's a Gnostic. Okay, he's a heretic. Okay, he's this. Okay, he's that. And they're still trying to put you into this box. I mean, that's just how people are. So they, you know, they have, because they have all of these different preconceived notions that go with that box. Okay, this is a Christian. A Christian is that. And so I'm even stepping out of that box when I, when I do interviews with new agers or spiritualists or whatever and they think they know what a christian is they think they know what the bible is and i'm able to unpack it in a more beautiful way in a very much a spiritual way and uh how you know i think most of them have a wrong perception of jesus i'm able to go into those realms and 
uh, represent Jesus or represent him to the people in, a, in like a new, a new light or a new fashion. And I've seen deliverance come to people. I've seen people um, have a, a, like a newfound um, understanding of God, of Christ, of the Bible. God is not against them. He's not looking to bash them over a head. And usually it's because of an interaction with a poorly representation of Christ from a, from a Christian or from a parent who was a pastor or an uncle or somebody who, you know, just kind of came down on them and has, has given them this bad, bad um, representation of Jesus. I mean, if, if you didn't know anything about Jesus and your first, you know, your first interaction was, uh, you know, Fred Phelps and, uh, you know what I'm saying? The, yep. the, uh, uh, what is it? Uh, what church is it? Uh, Wayne? What is it? I can't think of it. I'm not sure which one you're talking about, but you're talking about like Fred Phelps and those kinds of guys. Yeah, those. Yeah, God hates sinners. Oh, Westboro, Westboro, Westboro. Yeah, yeah. I want to say Waynesboro. It's a <laughs> but uh, yeah, man, if that was your first interaction about Jesus or hearing about Jesus, you're like, yeah, keep your Jesus, sir. I don't want him. But I think Jesus is so beautiful that if we present him for who he truly is, I don't know many people, you know, at this point who who wouldn't want. You know what I'm saying? Want Jesus? I mean, there's those people out there, but just make sure that they get a good representation of, of who he is. You know. Well, it's amazing though how Jesus, and I'm talking about you know the Jesus of, of Scripture, not of of our you know American tradition, but he he really um, harmonizes well with the New Age movement and even with a lot of pagan thought that that's out there. It, he's not so adverse to it, I think, uh, as he's been presented. And I know that sounds scary to people. They're like, well, what's he talking about? It, you know, but I, I guess, uh, you know, there's not so much animosity towards Jesus anymore as there is towards, I guess, you know, what you would call his church. Yeah. Or, you, but yeah, but you have to kind of like, um, you know, cause they, it's, well, we've heard this a lot. You know, saying which Jesus are you talking about? You know, what I'm saying, oh, is he that Jesus or this Jesus? One? So you also have to find out which Jesus they're talking about and what level he's on, and if he's the same or whatever. So even with that, I like to explore. You know, who, who first of all, who he is? Is he to me? That's what it really comes down to, right? That's what he said. Who do you say I am? I don't care what these people said about me. I don't care what Fred Phelps said about me. I don't care what your mom said about me. Who do you say that I am? And that's really where the power is. So I like to kind of repackage that for people that's where the power comes back to but um understanding you're talking about the uh the seasons and, the, and all that kind of stuff that you know we call pagan or whatever and the, um the, the different stuff going on but looking at the old testament like they were really into that stuff and they used it as a uh, as a as a map even they used it as a calendar and um there's there's a few scriptures man where god's beckoning the children of israel and as we read it, I believe God's beckoning us, but it says, return to the ancient path, return to the ancient ways. And it's like a beckoning to come back to your first love, to go back to where it was, you know what I'm saying, a lot simpler. And it says, there you'll find rest for your soul if you return back to the old ways, seek me in the old path. And I think that's still a message now. You know, you got church, you, you know, you're, at, you're having services and you're just watching a program or whatever, and it's just you're there. And so, but... It's a, there's like a beckoning man for us to return to those ancient ways to find out what they did, what worked for him. Not even anything extra biblical. Just the, just the Bible in itself is just a, it's just full of mystery and stargazers and prophets and angelic encounters and divination and 
you know, using all of these weird sciences in the scriptures and spirituality back and forth, obscure stuff. You know, the whole divination is a big one. You know, we, we've been told that divination was demonic. We've been told that divination is summoning the dead or consulting evil spirits or whatever the case is, and we should not do it. There are scriptures in the Bible where God um, pretty much forbid that and said, don't use divination, and I'm no longer going to, you know, uh, tolerate it or whatever. But those same, you read the next scripture, he says, please don't play me any music. I'm not going to listen to your songs. Right. Your songs are going to be clanging cymbals. Your holy days where you want to celebrate me, I'm not going to show up. I don't want you to do it. They're going to be an ab- your holy days are going to be an abomination unto me. You know, so the same uh, warnings about astrology. Don't use astrology. Don't seek me this way anymore. He was dealing with the specific people, warning them, look, you've left your first love. So he's saying, look, don't even try to contact me through these. And this, this stuff that was working, it's not going to work for you anymore. And so it's not to demonize it as a whole. That was directed to a certain people for a certain time. But he always says, if you repent, I'll restore you. If you drop your idolatry, I'll restore you. I'll speak to you. I'll be your God. You'll be my people. And so it's still there. Like, so there's so many obscure scriptures in the Bible where God is saying, I speak through divination. I speak through the lots. Every lot, the luck of the draw, I'll speak to you through it. I am the one who answers to it. There's so many... Uh, things that was like a turning point in the Bible where, where divination was used. And like you, you talk about, and, and it's beautiful, especially because we, if we don't know about those scriptures and these weird passages in the Bible, when we read the New Testament and we see that word or whatever, we already have a preconceived notion because we don't know that God said, I'm the Lord of the lot. I speak through it. Every way that it falls is my decision. You yeah. Know, we see, then we see, you know, the apostles and the, uh, or disciples in the New Testament, you know, Judas is gone, and they got to figure out who's going to be the 13th disciple, and so they cast lots, which is a form of divination. It's the luck of the draw, and they, they, they draw straws, or they throw them at the ground, whichever one they did at the time, and uh, whichever lot, whatever, whoever got the shortest straw, they were the new disciple, and that was just a game of chance. It was the luck of the draw, and they knew that the, they, the Holy Spirit's going to speak through that, and they trusted, and he did. And they went with that, and that was their truth or whatever. But looking at that, I mean, that opens up to maybe a lot of other uh, things of divination that I, even I've been exploring and, and messing with. I have a form of of uh, tarot cards, and they're, they're a Christian tarot card, if that's such a thing, but it's called the Tarot of the Most High, and there's scriptures on each one. And they have the, the, the arcane words at the bottom, which I don't know, I don't really follow, and I can't. But they have other words at the top, like um, grudges or love or retribution or stuff like that. And I've done some, some sessions with people, and I've brought them into the sessions in my intuition and prayer life of being able to discern the spirits that's dealing with that person, hear about what they got going on, brought them cards into it, which... It, and this is me just trying to learn. And every person that I did, did it with, it was right on the money. Like it was what they were going to. I already had an idea about what to pray about, and I was going to address it anyway. Or it would be something new. It may be something, hey, try this. You're praying for their husband, but try this. Maybe there's, um, you know, insecure. I might pull a card that says insecurity. And I say, you know what, the reason this is going on is because you're insecure. And I just form it into the prayer language and stuff. And it started working. And I did that for about seven people back to back. I said, okay, this is nothing but a tool 
that I, that me as a son, as a child of God, I can use. I don't have to use it. There's, there's a bunch of other tools. I don't have to pray. I don't have to meditate. I don't have to use these cards. I don't have to do whatever. I don't have to use chanting. I don't have to listen to worship music. But these are all tools that we get to pick and choose what we want to do. And there's biblical references for all of this stuff. And that's when it kind of gets interesting or whatever. It starts to blow your mind. Yeah, you know what's funny about that, and uh, and I want to come back to that. But um, like the the casting of lots, you know, uh, uh, you'll hear that explained away quite a bit. But the reality is, uh, for them to do it at that moment must have meant that it was a standard practice for them. Yeah. Even when Jesus was walking with them, perhaps you know this wasn't like uh, we don't know what to do, so let's just do this. They, that must have been a part of their life already. Yeah. And then, you know, the interesting thing about the tarot is um, that wasn't always that wasn't always off limits. So some of these things have been a part of the faith. And then somewhere along the line, someone said, "Okay," And, you know, this happened a lot through history. Okay, you can no longer do that. Now, that's wrong. And and you got to get rid of that. And so so much of what we have today um really is something that was handed to us by a series of individuals who weeded out whatever it was they wanted weeded out. And now we're left with this. And and I think that, um, I think that it is to our own detriment just to inherit somebody else's faith. Yeah. Well, uh, it takes the power uh, away from, from you or away from God essentially, right? In your own relationship. And you have to, you can't go to God for yourself. You have to come to the, the pastor. You have to come to the priest. You have to come to the prophet or whoever. When we are all priests, when we are all, you know, called to, 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 to come boldly but boldly before the throne of grace, and, and you become a threat, you know. And even if you are, even if you don't do any of this, even if this is, if you're listening to this and it's still like, no way, I'm not doing this, witchcraft, blah, 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 whatever, <laughs> you know, preconceived notion you have and you don't want to do none of it. If you start fasting, you start praying and God starts using you in your church and people know that they take notice. I want to, I, I want the person to pray for me who got the fire, who has the power, you know, and, and, and if that's an individual in the church who isn't the pastor, who isn't an elder, who isn't on leadership and it's a random young man. Cause a lot of times God deals with the young people cause they have that fire and zeal. You become a target because you now possess what the pastor used to have. He used to be on fire like you. He used to, you know, be uh, passionate and have a zeal for his faith like you do now. And I've seen it many, many times, not just me, but other people too, where they begin to weed you out. Okay, God is speaking to this person through dreams and visions. You would think that, okay, God has a word for our church. Let's work together. Let's see if this, if it lines up. That's how the, that's how the, the, the uh, you know what I'm saying, disciples and, and, and apostles did it back in the day. The fivefold ministry is they all complemented one another. But we've seen it so many times, whether it's like celebrity Christianity or whatever, and you start making a name for yourself or people want you to pray for you, want you to pray for them, they'll kind of weed you out, man. You get a target on your back, and that's even without anything extra biblical or weird sounding. That's just being walking in the anointing, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so I'm going to throw a couple of things out at you and get your perspective on them. One of them um, we've already talked about a little bit, but um, there are things that I see 
I guess becoming more present or or perhaps that's because I've opened myself up to more uh, diverse communities, but things like the tarot or um, even runes or, or anything that similar to that, um, you think there's room for that? Uh, like I said, I think I think that they're all tools, um, and these tools can be used for good or bad. You know, it's a, it's a, everything is is rest upon your intention, and, they're, and they're, there's scriptures to back this up. Forgive them, Lord; they know not what they do. Uh, Paul talking about how you know when he he didn't even know it was a sin; he was doing all this foolishness, and but God, he knew God wouldn't hold it against him because he didn't know. So the intention of the heart is a big thing. So. When, you know, we can look at prayer for one one example, like prayer, praying to God. That's a beautiful thing. That's a tool that the believer could and should use um, to speak to their father, right? To, uh, to to tap in, to make their desires and requests known, and all of this kind of stuff to communicate. Well, prayer is a beautiful thing. Well, if you're praying to demons and you're praying that God harms people, that God curses your enemies, and you're praying and, and trying to pray to demons then that prayer becomes corrupted because of your intention. There's nothing evil about prayer, but it's the, the intention that you're, you're, you're uh, using. Same thing with the terror, same thing with, with the pendulum, same thing with the lodge. If you're like, okay, if there's a demon here, a disembodied spirit of so-and-so that wants to come and speak to me, I, I don't I don't really deal with, with, with that. You know what I'm saying? So I think you're using it for something that could be dangerous. But if you use it, our Holy Spirit... God, you speak through everything. You speak through the wind. You speak through the wave. You speak through donkeys. You can speak through me. You can speak through my heart. Can you speak through this? Try it out for yourself. And so it's something, it's different for everybody, but I believe that there's room for a lot of this stuff. There may not be room for it in the church, you know, and, and so we've seen that happen. We've seen uh, there's a group out of Australia who uh, who made it, uh, who made headlines in Christendom because, um, they're using tarot cards, but they call them destiny cards. They're shaped a little bit different, maybe maybe somewhat like the ones that I have. And I was going to get these guys on the podcast. I need to reach back out to them, but I think they thought that I wanted to just rebuke them or something, right? Right. Um, but, uh, you know, they made headlines because uh, someone, they, somewhere along the line, they were affiliated with uh, uh, Bethel Church. And so Bethel had to put out a statement because they got a lot of backlash and people thought that they, like, went to Bethel and it was a ministry Bethel was promoting. But these guys would go to psychic conventions and they would go to, you know, hippie places and stuff like that where the psychics and people are looking or hungry for a word. They don't care who says it. They would go there and set up and give people readings and say what the Lord is saying. I knew people who did that back in the day. They didn't use cards, but they go to psychic conventions and say, okay, let me tell you what the Lord is saying. And they would blow all the psychics out the water. Like that's the type of power that they walked in and stuff. So, uh, you know, they had to, uh, you know, uh, Bill Johnson and some other people on the team had to put out a statement that they weren't affiliated with these people and those type of things. But this is a group who's using them, and they're actually out of Australia. Um, so people are trying to use it. I will glory in this, though, that if we look at these, uh, the ancient path, if we look at the laying on of hands, we call that Reiki, faith healing and stuff. There's a lot of the ancient practices that the pagans did, that the pagans do, um, that are still being done in, in a lot of charismatic churches. Like I said, the laying on of hands, entering trance state. Uh, they won't call it trance state. We may just call it a worship service for 45 minutes with your eyes closed and your hands uh, lifted and you're 
mind and your the, the, your whole whole circadian uh, rhythm is moving to the drum beat, you know, and you're you're chanting, you're chanting because you're singing "I love you, I love you, I love you" over and over for 15 minutes, maybe five minutes. However, you go into a trance state. Right. That's a mantra. You're repeating it over and over, and it, it puts you in a trance state. Laying on of hands, healing, casting out of demons, speaking in tongues is called glossala, uh, which is, you know, still practiced by many cultures all over the world. The, you know what I'm saying? The Babylonians, the Canaanites, all of these different, every religion practice going in the trance state, a word coming forth, you know, and someone interpreting it and uh, and all that kind of stuff. So it's real beautiful to see how the ancient practices in a lot of churches are still being used. And they're being used for good. And they don't know what they're doing. Obviously, they, they feel like they have the corner on the market. Like, this is ours. And if anybody who does it outside of the way we do it is an abomination, mm-hmm. which is not. They're tools. And if they're doing it for the right reasons and the right cause, God, God can use it. And... Uh, so yeah, we we're, we're definitely seeing like a resurgence of a lot of this stuff. You know? Yeah, I I tell you, I saw an experiment um, done, and uh, it was with uh, a paper plate and a crystal. Okay, uh, I don't couldn't tell you what kind of crystal it was, but uh, some some crystal. And they put a they put a an ice cube on each item, and they the room the temperature of them were both the same. They used a thermal thing to show you that. And the ice on the crystal, I mean, it melted away almost immediately. And so it's like, okay, I don't know what I think about this, but uh, there's definitely some kind of energy or something going on within that crystal that wasn't going on within the paper plate. And so what's your take on on, uh, crystals? Oh, yeah, man. So, you know, crystals have the ability to hold and transmit energy. Um, the old-timey radios, if you busted open a radio, I don't know if anybody that wanted to explore the inside of a radio, but there's a quartz crystal in there that's used to tune to each station and pick up on that frequency. That's what they're uh, were, were, were being used for inside of a radio. Um, also, there's documentaries where the, 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 where the government uh, showed you, it was the Army actually, how, how they were using crystals and that the proper way to use them to conduct energy through a crystal. And so through lasers and all those crystals and all that. So they have the ability to transmit and, and, and hold and send energy. Therefore, we look at um, like a king in the ancient days would have on a crown upon his head with all types of jewels around it. So these jewels and these, these crystals are used to tune your body and your auric field into a certain frequency. A lot of times you can pick up a crystal and hold it and you can actually feel it. Uh, you can hold two different ones, and the feeling that you get by those combined, you feel different. They're used to block electric, uh, electromagnetic frequencies from the cell phone and, and towers and things like that. And there's there's a bunch of uh, experiments where that's being done. So we have the kings who had these uh, crystals or rupees and all of these different um, jaspers and stuff on their crown. They also had a, a, a scepter, which was a rod, which acts as a... Uh, extension of the central nervous system as you're holding it. It's extending out, and at the end of the rod, you have a crystal or some type of diamond or rupee on the end of it as well uh, so that they can send forth the energy like the magic wand as well. How that relates back to the Bible a little bit as we see, understanding that this is what crystals do and rupees and things like that, understanding that, we look at the ephod, right? So this was this type of breastplate that the priest would wear, and it would 
you know, they would be able to go in and commune with God when they had this vest on. So understanding that they're getting their body, their mind, their auric field tuned to a specific frequency where they can commune with God by wearing these crystals. Mm. So that's a whole nother realm when it when it comes comes to crystals and energy, vibration, everything is vibration. Yeah, everything. Everything is moving, sound, frequencies, and it gets all the, the esoteric documentaries and all of the esoteric study, it just goes back to say, how does that relate to the Bible? Sound. What is the power of sound? Well, look, let's see. Uh, you know, King David played the harp for King Saul, who was possessed or vexed, as the Bible says, vexed with an evil spirit. But when David, a psalmist, played, these, played his harp, the evil spirits left. Mm-hmm. But what's going on there? Is it, the, is it the notes and the frequency of the sound and the key of David that he's playing in that has something to do with this peace that's being released through the sound and vibrations? Or just because he's a man of God? What about the combination of both? What about the combination of a man of God being able to play the instrument and have power and authority over music? Understanding music, vibration, sound, there's something that you can look up. It's called the Dr. Emoto Rice Experiment, where you're able to, and he, he actually did this experiment and me and my family did it as well just to see if it was real you take uh, glass jars and you put rice in it and fill it up a little bit with water and so have them side by side of one another one glass jar of water and rice you speak blessings to hey I love you 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 know you, you're destined to do great things every time I see you I smile you're awesome man praise God I'm glad that you're here the other one you curse it you're stupid. I wish I wish you weren't here. How long are you going to be here? What, why are you here? Tell it different cursings and, and, and like just negative affirmations. And over a 30-day period, you're able to see the one that you spoke the positive affirmations to with the rice inside the water begin to ferment a little bit, but still stay the same and kind of look like you could still eat it maybe. The one that you're speaking negativity over and you're cursing and all of this kind of kind of things too it begins to almost rot and it gets uh mold and mildew grow all in and it looks disgusting you want to get it out your house knowing the knowing the bible says that the power of life and death is in the tongue i'm like okay this is real it's like the science of our spirituality i believe dr emoto is proving the bible it's proving the scriptures when it talks about you know you know what i'm saying bless Bless people with your speech. Don't curse no man. Speak evil of no man, the Bible says in the New Testament. But if possible, live at peace with everyone. Power of life and death being in the tongue. It goes deeper. We can get really deep with the power of sound. So when it has something to do with that sound and that water, where our bodies are made up of like 70% water, and water is able to hold memory. And there's documentaries you can watch on this. Water um, reacts to sound, reacts to tones, reacts to music. It's called cymatics. They make shapes and geometric patterns depending on the tone or the resident or, or the different um, resonance of your voice. It gets really deep mm-hmm. and mystical and esoteric. But at the end, for me, it builds my faith. Okay, I'm gonna use my. I'm gonna watch my words. I know the power of, of, of my words. I know the power of someone having a, a, a bad day, someone who has given up on life. I know that when I talk to them, I'm performing alchemy just through my words, through right. my conversations. I'm undoing the work that the enemy or the world has done to this person who thinks that they're no good, they're a failure, they never amount to nothing. So just a few minutes with me speaking to them, um, I'm intentional about our conversation and be able to see light 
in life come back into that person's life. And there's scriptures that just go on and on about this stuff. And our words and our mindset, our, our, our spirituality and places where demons hide within the, the thoughts of men. And, uh, and as deep and mystical as demons and angels and all that stuff are, it all comes down to the strongholds and principalities and things that we agree to these belief systems and stuff that we align with. And so it becomes as deep and as spiritual and as mystical as you want it to be, but it comes back down to just being practical. And how can I uh, add this to my life and the way uh, I interact with people moving forward? Yeah, man. I got, so I got two more questions and then I'm, I'm going to let you go. <laughs> so, um, and one of them is something I'm not really into, but it, it, uh, it keeps coming up with, first of all, uh, friends of mine that are, are uh, biblical historians and, um, Christmas, when uh, Christmas rolled around, I uh, did a podcast uh, about, you know, Jesus um, as, uh, as divinity. And one of the things that was present in the story, and a huge part of uh, history, is uh, astrology. So what, what are your thoughts on astrology? Yeah, um, like I said, going back to that um, ancient path. You know, and uh, well, understanding what most Christians, is like myself, approach it from, okay, God rebuked astrologers. you no longer be able to read the stars or whatever. Uh, but he did that to everyone, right? Uh, but the, the, the prophets and seers, um, well, you have Samuel was a seer, Samuel was a prophet. The word prophet and seer, for the most part, in the Old Testament is, is actually interchangeable. Um, but you can actually, uh, if, if you look up the word, it means stargazer. So they were stargazers. They followed the stars. And there's something about following the stars. There's something about reading them, understanding uh, the stories, the allegory that's hidden within the stars. And there was there was a couple other people who, who believed in the magic of the stars as well. There were these uh, couple of, of, of wise men, or, or they were called magi or magicians, who actually followed the stars and understood the, the story. And they were the only ones who showed up at the birth of Christ. Mm-hmm. Those stars led them to the birth of the Messiah. So we're talking about the power of the stars and, and the stories and things like that. That's just for using like the fixed signs of the Zodiac. I mean, it's all throughout the Bible. And so using the Bible as the plumb line, man, we can look at, you know, in, in the book of Job, it, it, it goes into detail about Orion. There's these metaphors and where, where they, they call it by name, Orion, the Pleiades, the Seven Sisters, uh, the, it talks about the Great Bear and these different allegories in the Bible that are mentioned up. And I hold on, what's the deal with that? Why, you know, why are they talking about these different astrological signs and stuff that we're not supposed to, you know, what I'm saying, be into? Um, but they were into it. So understanding that, and then there's another word. If anybody's new to this, it's called the Maseroth, and it's used in the Bible. The actual word is in the in the uh, King James. It's uh, power of the Maseroth. So the word Maseroth translates to Zodiac. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the Zodiac wheel. Even in Ezekiel, right? There's a lot of different beliefs of the interpretation of Ezekiel's wheel. Well, the Ezekiel's wheel is the wheel within the wheel, which is the sun moving throughout the, uh, the fixed signs of the Zodiac for the 12 seasons, for the 12 disciples. You know, all of, all of this stuff is spoken about in the stars. And there was so much magic to it. We even look at, if we look at the, uh, in, in, in the book of Revelation, we look at the four living creatures, the four living creatures and, and the different faces that they had. They had the, the face of a man, an ox, an eagle, a 
and, and a lion. And those are the four fixed signs of the zodiac as you would draw a cross in the middle of the zodiac that separates each season. And each one of those beasts or each one of those um, animals or, or, or this creature was over that season. That's the zodiac. That's where the sun rises for those months. And that's the, the, uh, the, the, the main one that represents the, the equinox. These four living creatures were the, the ones who actually represent those seasons. If you look at the four fixed signs, so it's the house. The sun rises in the east. Uh, the house that it rises in is, is where the stars are positioned for that day or, or for that you know month or so. So for an entire month, the sun is going to keep rising in Capricorn right now. Today's my birthday, actually. So it's rising in in. Capricorn for that whole month and you can actually look at this if there's apps that you can get uh, Skyview um, a bunch of different Google Google Sky and stuff like that these different um, star maps for your phone and if you get up early enough as the sun's rising you'll see where it shows you that constellation that sun is rising in that house uh, the Bible says that in my father's house are many mansions or many rooms or many houses so the, the zodiac or the, the, uh, the sun rises in that house for that month yeah, I, I had a guy on, um, it's been a couple months now, uh, but he talked about um, the fact that he thought the disciples were uh, representative of the astrological signs instead of, you know, the 12 tribes of Israel. So I haven't looked, I haven't dove into any of that, but uh, it's it's just wild how it's extremely present. And the Bible doesn't make any apology for it. It's just like a part of the culture, a part of what was happening at that point in time. And yeah, I find a lot of things like that. Uh, as you go through, it's like, okay, this is what they were talking about, you know, casting lots or, you know, I mean, I, I know divination is divination, but again, so many of those things were spoken to individual people at individual times for oh, individual that's reasons. Big in, in the church, man. Yeah. Well, especially regarding like tithing. <laughs> Like, especially coming from the Assemblies of God and, like, these charismatic far-out churches and uh, prosperity movement, these type of guys, which have come out of, um, uh, you know, they will go and get those curses in the Old Testament that were for other people for the specific time. And they'll read them to the congregation like it's for you. Yeah. Um, and tithing is the biggest one. Like, if you don't, like, uh, you know, how, you know, what they say, will a man rob God? Right. Yeah, you have robbed me. Whereas you ask in the area of tithes and offerings. And I've heard so many pastors, so many evangelists take up an offering quoting that scripture that if you're not tithing, you're robbing God. Then they go afar. This is witchcraft, man. Straight. This is stronger than the stuff I was messing with. Um, well, and, then, and then they'll say, if you don't tithe, you're robbing God. But you owe God that 10%. If you don't give it, God's going to take it. He's gonna he's gonna take it from you because it belongs to him. He'll and I've heard this. He'll your, your car will break down. Your washing machine will break. Whatever yes. God has to do to get your attention, God will take His ten percent from you. I've and heard that too. Blessed until you move beyond the tithe into the offering. And it's just it's crazy. This is witchcraft, man. They're taking these these curses that were for the Levite priest, and these were warnings. If you go back and read the Bible in context. The book of Malachi is only four chapters. In the, in the heading, the beginning of each chapter, it says, Hear ye, O priest, 
old Levite, uh, old, you know, priest of Levites, this warning is for you. And then it, it goes on. Chapter 2, same thing. Chapter 3, mm-hmm. chapter 4. But we take these scriptures out of context and make them mean whatever the hell we want to mean and end up putting people in bondage, man, and chaos. And it hurt me. You know, when I found out that, hold on, y'all knew about this the whole time? You know, yeah. and it, that's a big one when people find out. And that's a big thing in, in the prosperity movement and, and people trying to take up offerings and stuff like that. And that's witchcraft, man. When we're dealing with witchcraft, we're dealing with deception and manipulation. And that's exactly what that is because a lot of those guys, they know what they're doing. Yeah, dude, they do. It, it's filthy, man. I mean, I, I was involved in that for a while, you know, or, or a victim of it or ho- however you want to say that. But uh, yeah, after a while, you're like, you know what? This is this is crap, man. This is just, you know, and, th- and that's one of the things that, that has bothered me so much. And, and the reason why I'm not involved mm-hmm. in church today is, um, you know, it just uh, it, it just makes God this horrible monster that uh, you could never be in love with. You could never serve. Uh, it takes away all, you know, in so many of it, it it's just, uh, it's only about a moral code or it's only about obedience and it's never about any kind of real interaction. And it's just this dead, dry, dull thing, which is about as far away from the New Testament uh, as you could possibly be. Now, now let me ask you this final question and I'm going to let you get back to your birthday. You know, whatever you got going on, man. <laughs> um, so let's say there's people out there and they're they're listening to this, and some of this is for the first time, or even a guy like me who um, I'm trying to I'm trying to forge a foundation and a different path. And you know, you know, as a as a Christian pastor, and, and this is I felt this way, but it's kind of funny. I knew everything, right? Yeah. I knew everything. I was the expert. Well, once you leave that and you're like, okay, there's this whole world out here, and now I feel like I don't know anything. What's a what's aside from? And you're going to your website is a huge resource. It's it's awesome. But um, in addition to that, are there are there books? Are there teachers? Are there things that you might recommend to someone who wants to explore some of those things? Um, I'll say this, so, you know, any of that stuff, especially, you know, with the dogma that comes from, from Christianity, like, you're automatically going to feel like you're doing something wrong. Even if you are open and you fought with it, man, it took me years to finally get to a place where I was comfortable, and I was back and forth. I'm a Christian today, I'm a spiritual hip-hop artist tomorrow, and there, and I went through what we call the dark night of the soul, where, like, yeah. that process was Man, the same, look, I would upload all my music on, on YouTube and have like 20,000, 30,000 views on each song. And then I would I would delete it. And then uh, be driving home from work and then I'd up, re-upload it fresh. Zero views. All my songs. And say, you know what? God gave me them songs. He said, then I'd get a message from somebody. I can't believe you, True Seeker. We used to look up to you. Blah, 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 and I'd delete it. I said, man, you know what? I want to be known for someone who loves Jesus. I don't want to be known for aliens or UFOs or spirituality or whatever. I just want to be known as somebody in love with Jesus. But then it was just like this wrestling match, just as Jacob wrestled with God. We have to wrestle with God, too, for our calling and to wrestle for the things we believe in. And I had to wrestle with God for, for months, if not years, and I did it openly. People seen me. I would I would redo my website. One day it was a 
spiritual website the next day it was a christian and we you know showed you how to find god through repentance and the sinner's prayer and the day to day and i deleted and it started over and it was just this weird place that i was in that was really really scary because i was being forsaken and abandoned by all my friends and my christian constituents and people who claimed to love me and care for me but i would i believe things that they didn't believe or then they understood my platform and my you know my influence and so they just had to cut ties with me and then the weird thing even with that is that there's people who um even if they believe you're you're doing the wrong thing they don't reach out because they know how sharp you are with the scriptures they know how smart you are and they're just intimidated so they're, they're going to get in, they may get into gossip about you or they'll they'll feel like they're doing their christian duty just by saying hey stay away from that guy versus like hey truth seeker man i really think you're messing with some stuff that's you know, not godly, man, you might be in trouble, man. They won't even come to you mm-hmm. because they're scared that you're going to handle them. And I would have, honestly, with the scriptures I've ever, because I wanted to show them what I believed in. You know, I thought that this would be an inclusive thing. I've had friends who got into, you know, Messianic Judaism and, and, and studying the law of God and things that becomes beautiful. And they approach something as that, which I got into it too, but they thought it would open up dialogue and you find out like, look, this it just kind of blew up in my face. Now I have no friends, and if you stay away from me, all this kind of stuff. So you got to be careful moving out, you know, and, and, and count the cost. But for me, I felt like at the end of the day, it was something that God kept calling me back to, even though I tried to fight it. I'm fasting against it. Lord, renew my mind. I give up anything that's not of you. I'm throwing idols away. I'm throwing pictures and video games and music. Every, I'm getting rid of it. I want God to take this stuff away from me. He's like, no, I put this stuff in before a reason. You're attracted to this for a reason. I got you. You asked for this. You prayed to go deeper. You just wanted to, you just wanted to go deeper to blow everybody in the church's mind. I'm taking you deeper, son. You know, and showing you all this stuff. So it, it, it's a song and dance. So you have to have your foundation because it's easy to, to, you know, um, it's, it's easily, easy to be led astray. It's easy to question your beliefs. But at the end of the day, I do think that it's healthy. Because it proves what you really believe. I've I've maintained a, a, a foundation in Christ through all of this. When there's a lot of reasons and information that's been presented where I probably shouldn't, you know, right. of, of of scary things that you have to see that explain the Bible away or explain biblical prophecies away, and you're like, damn. And it's explained in the Bible. Mm-hmm. Oh, you thought he was talking about Jesus? No, they're talking about the state of Israel and stuff that just blows me away i'm like you know what i had an encounter with god through this person jesus right and it all comes back down to that that's my foundation now someone else may be having an encounter with god through another means i don't know i'm not walking in their shoes i can't say that they're not but for me this is my foundation and and this is what's working for me i know my fruit i know the power of the gospel whether we have it all figured out, whether whatever it is, man, there's it's, it has the power to transform lives. And as real or as fake as you believe the Bible or Jesus or other religions to be or whatever the case is, it has the power to, to transform lives. And at, at the end of the day, that's the only proof I need mm. is the power of a life transformed, that I know the power of, of, of God, I know the power of Christ. So that's, that, that's where my faith is. So... And if you're gonna if you're gonna branch out, you're gonna have to do that because God forbid you just abandon everything that you believe and you know you become the heretic or whatever the case is, or you become reprobate. All of these kind of labels they like to throw upon people. But man, just ask God. There's 
you know, there's tons of books. Jesus said that if you was to write down all the works and the things that I've done, there would be not, not enough books in the world to contain it. Right. So if we could just have a couple of those, Jesus would stand up. <laughs> there, there's some of them out there. So bring everything through God. Don't try to reach out and make contact with a spirit, with an angel, with anything. But go to your father. Work on that relationship first. Be as tight with your father as you can be. And I believe that God has mysteries and things sealed from creation that he hasn't told anyone that he's willing to whisper in your ear if you go the distance with them, if you spend time with them, if you go to move the ends of the earth to find out who God is and what he means to you and search, search it out. So the possibilities are endless, mm-hmm. but there is that humility and how it applies to your life to help people not to get haughty and how much of the Bible you know or haughty and how much you know that others don't know. That comes with the territory. Be very careful. Whatever books you listen to, uh, whatever books you read or whatever, um, the possibilities are endless. We went over a bunch of stuff, but then we haven't even scratched the surface on, on this episode. So ask God, you know, God, will you, is it okay if I read this? Do you have something to show me in this book? Is there an angel out there that's watching over me? Let me see him. Mm-hmm. Can I see him? And if, you're, and if your father, he loves to blow your mind. He loves to show you the deep mysteries. If you want to see him, most people don't want to see him. Right. They're good with Sunday service. Oh, you want to see? You want to see what the other realms and dimensions look like? Okay, I'll show you. Go through your father, man. He'll blow your mind, man. Uh, take you out there farther than your wildest dreams and your mind can even perceive. And this is a beautiful song to dance. So bring everything through the father, whether you want to read the book of Enoch, whether you want to read the Testament of Solomon. Those are two good places to start. Uh, uh, and understanding the spirit realm, how it relates to you and how it, how it operates. Those are two great places to start. Um, as far as, you know, maybe other teachers that you've maybe never heard of, I would say maybe Muji uh, is a good one. He has some things on Christ consciousness. I like Muji a lot. Um, people just you know, teach you to be mindful in the moment, the power of now. Mm-hmm. And, and that's where the power is. That's where everything's at, the, the, the encounters with God, teaching you that. And so, I mean, the possibilities are endless, but ask your father because he can recommend some things that, I, that I've never even seen before. Right, <laughs> amen. Stuff. Yeah. You hey, know. man, uh, we got to do this again. I'm down. <laughs> okay, good. Yeah, man. I'm down, man. I'd like to return the favor, man. Maybe do a session with you on my podcast. Oh, man. I'd be so honored, man, really. That would be awesome. Please, yeah, let's do that. Uh, and happy birthday, man. Thank you again. Yeah, dude. So I hope you have a good day. And and again, man, I just really appreciate you um, being on my podcast. Thanks so much for that. And I'm gonna um, after the after we're done here, I'll I'll have a um, an outro that talks about uh, some more about your website and stuff like that. You are amazingly easy to find, though. I got to tell you, you got stuff all over the place. Yeah, well, that's that's helped me. You know, I'm saying with the reach and understanding algorithms and understanding SEO and you know, I've kind of used that. Even like I'll do episodes with people who I don't really want to talk to. Or I, it might sound redundant. They're just a big name, and I could tap into their fan base and uh, and go to the truth movement with the truth, you know, of Christ. And so that's that's I'm still mission minded with all this, you know. So I've been able to incorporate that. And yep. So at the end of the day, I want to say a shout out to uh, we have a mutual friend, Pastor Nar. If Pastor Nar is listening to this, which I'm sure he will. Shout out to him. He's a really good brother. Have him on the show too. Yeah, yeah, man, I will. He is. He's a he's a great dude, man. A very loving, 
uh, guy, and we could use more people like that. You know what I mean? Definitely. <laughs> well, hey, man, thanks again, dude. I will, uh, I'll will. i be in touch with you soon, but uh, thanks a lot, man, and God bless you, brother. All right, thank you so much for having me, brother. Yes, yeah. sir. See you, bro. All right, guys. Thanks a lot for listening today. That was kind of a long podcast, but, man, I hated to let the guy go. I'm definitely going to have him back on as soon as I can. And uh, I guess I'm going to be... I got a message from him yesterday uh, asking me if I would uh, be on his podcast, so we're going to do that as well. What a cool guy, huh? Man, this this guy, I uh, I like this dude, man. And I think he's got some powerful things to say and expansive things to bring to the faith. You know, ways, uh, I think, to create an environment that is a little more esoteric, a little more spiritual, a little more inviting, really, to the things of God. And I, and I really think that. So, all right, man, I remember, dude, share the podcast on your social media stuff, uh, and we'll catch you next week. Blessings done. Blessings <laughs> done.